Hello everyone. I hope you are having a good night. It is a Tuesday night. A beautiful, wonderful Tuesday night. I'm coming to you. This is Pastor Casares coming to you from Godly Divine Ministries. A sevenfold ministry. Why sevenfold? Because we are a life-giving spirit. We are a complete vessel of a life-giving spirit. Just as God, Father God, rested on the seventh day from all his works, so we also rest in Christ. Just like there's seven churches, that means complete. There's seven spirits of God upon us that is complete. Our sevenfold ministry used to be a fivefold ministry, but it has changed to a sevenfold ministry because a fivefold ministry was only to equip the saints into the maturity of full stature of Christ. When you come to know and realize and ascertain of the truth of the gospel, of who you are, you are complete in Christ. So tonight's study is, who is Christ? Is this an important question? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Who is in Christ completely kicks Western theology out of its box and reorients it back to biblical early church constructs affirmed by even the church fathers. But it is more important than breaking out of some ivory tower theological prison. It sets our personal experience and our knowing Father God, back to the simplicity of the gospel of grace. A few months ago, I uh, tried to erate my daughter, as any good dad would do, taking something from her desk and rearranging it and hoping that she would see it differently. But for a week, she said nothing until I realized that as a woman, she never stands in front of it. I understand that right now you may not be seeing exactly what I'm seeing because you are not standing in the same perspective. But I hope that you as, a, that you, as you are listening to these words will be humble enough to read carefully or to comprehend carefully with an open heart. So the question is, who was in Christ? By what, by that we mean, are you in Christ when you believe and become a follower of Jesus, or was all mankind in Christ on the cross? The implications are staggering because if you get in Christ when you believe, it means that believing is the cause of Father God's forgiveness, salvation, and righteousness to you rather than the work of Christ Himself. Worse, it could mean that you must change all your behavior to line up with Father God to get in. So who was in Abraham? Okay. Who was in Abraham? Okay. He tells us in Hebrews chapter 7 that one day Abraham, returning from the battle of the kings, which is Genesis 14, offered a tithe of the spoils to Melchizedek and received from him a blessing. 
Abraham did so. Levi is therefore of less account than Melchizedek. Why? Because the fact that Abraham offered tithes to Melchizedek. But if that is true, then Jacob also in Abraham, in the body of Abraham, not yet born, it was Isaac before Jacob, offered to Melchizedek, which in turn means that Levi in Abraham offered to Melchizedek. It is evident that the lesser offers to the greater. Hebrews 7, verse 7. So Levi's law covenant priesthood is less in standing than Melchizedek, and therefore the priesthood of Aaron is inferior than that of the Lord Jesus. Levi at the time of the battle of the king was not yet even thought of, yet he was in the loins of his father Abraham, and so to say, through Abraham he offered. Hebrews 7, verse 9 and 10. That means that in this biblical culture illustration, it was Levi who was being represented, represented by Abraham because Levi was a direct physical descendant. Do you see that? So too, as we will see, we were all in Christ so that generations later, every person was represented by him in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Certainly we can see that Jesus, as the Son of God, is greater than Abraham, right? Let me just say this. In Jesus, we were united in his crucifixion. We were united by being crucified with him. We were united because we died with him. And we were united because we were buried with him. And that was with Jesus. When Jesus resurrected and became the Christ of all mankind, we were quickened with him we were raised with him and we were seated with him at the right hand of the father so who was in Adam so let's not stop with Abraham go further back to Adam himself isn't it isn't it everyone in Adam or was in Adam the illustration in Genesis was that even Eve was in Adam coming from his side it was to make the point of who was in Adam. Adam itself mean man. Not just a single man, but mankind. But what you need to know is that no one has been in Adam since the death of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus represented Adam. The first Adam. Okay? That's who he represented. All mankind. Would you agree that Jesus as the son of man or mankind is greater than Adam? Yes. Because he was in obedience. So Adam represents so Jesus representing the first Adam died on the cross. When Jesus the Christ resurrected, was the second Adam. Thus a life-giving spirit. The first Adam was a living soul. God breathed life into him and he became a living soul. The second Adam was a life-giving spirit. And that's who we need to identify with. Not the first Adam, but the second Adam. Separation for God? 
No, just in your mind, you are never separated from God. We were just alienated in our own mind, as Paul said. So the overall message of Romans 5 is a comparison between what Adam did and how it affected mankind and what Jesus Christ did and how it affected mankind. It is not a comparison between you and each one of them. It affects us, but it isn't directly about us. So how many people were in Adam? Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, which was Adam, and death through sin, all were in Adam, all affected by his actions, decision, and choice. Over and over, Paul again, Paul uses two phrases, all men and the many. Scholars agree he is talking about the same people. We know this because he will say the same thing twice, once saying all men and again saying the many. All mankind were in Adam. When we think many, we assume, we assume it means most but not all. But it is simply a Greek categorization for everybody. Jesus is called in another place by Paul, the last Adam. If there is a long line of births throughout history, but I tell you about the last one, which we are killing and eating for supper tonight, what does that mean? Beyond the fact, I'd be a terrible person. It means it is about to go extinct. It means the end of the line. Jesus took the entire, the entire race of man, mankind, from the first Adam, with him, onto the cross, representing them. If Jesus went to the cross as the last Adam, how much of Adam is left? Nothing. It was destroyed on the cross. What the first Adam did, the disobedience that Adam did, Jesus representing that Adam, which is the whole mankind, reversed it by being obedient. In Mark 15.37 says, in the Amplified Version, And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed out his life. Just like Father God breathed a breath of life into Adam in the beginning, Jesus, as the last Adam, breathes the last breath or breathes the last breath of the Adamic race or the race that came from the first Adam which is mankind. In other words, after the resurrection, Father God sees all of mankind through Jesus the Christ's work on the cross and his resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45 says, Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. See? And the last Adam then became, after resurrection, a life-giving spirit and that's who you are you are a life-giving spirit if you cannot see that if you still identify yourself with the first Adam then you don't understand what Jesus did on the cross Jesus created a new creation a new creature a new man in his resurrection so how many people did Adam's sin affect? 
Romans 5.18 says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. How many people did Jesus' obedience affect? So also, one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Paul's logic here summarized based by Young's literal translation of Romans 5. It says, but not as the offense, so also is a free gift. For if by the offense of the one, the many did die, much more did the grace of God and the free gift in grace of the one man, Jesus the Christ, abound to the many. So then, as through the one offense to all men, it is to condemnation. That was the first Adam. So also through one declaration of righteousness, it is to all men to justification of life. And that is Jesus, the resurrected Christ, which is you are part of the resurrected Christ or the resurrected Jesus who became the Christ in all men. Just like Adam's disobedience affected all mankind. Jesus' obedience affected all mankind. Can you see that? Can you see the connection of Christ in you as one? Everything he did, it is you. Everything that belongs to him, it is yours. Everything that who he is, it is your nature. Adam brought death to all, but Jesus was superior and brought life to all. Not only that, through him is the one grace-filled, free gift declaration of righteousness to all men or mankind. We aren't individually called righteous when we believe. We were declared right because we were in Jesus and he is righteous. Paul references two legacies. One is a legacy of Adam, and Jesus became the last of all that Adam was and leaves you a legacy of all that the resurrected Christ is. You cannot be in Adam. You cannot be in Adam. You, through no effort of your own, were brought with all humanity or mankind into Christ. <coughs> you, let me repeat that again. You cannot be in Adam. You, through no effort, no effort of your own, were brought with all mankind into Christ. We are, called, we are called to compare Adam's legacy and Christ's, then locate ourselves by grace in Christ's legacy. That is the point of this passage. And the truth is that for most of us, we have more faith... In the sin of Adam, sorry, TBN, and all your pastors and all these religious leaders that have 50,000 members is still giving them that faith in the sin of Adam and its effect, then we do the superior of Christ's obedience and its effect. See, your believing doesn't make Jesus the Son of God or the Son of Man. Your believing doesn't make Jesus go to the cross or make Him die for your sins. Your believing wasn't a trigger to raise Jesus from the dead. You had no part in Father God making you right with Himself. You contributed nothing. You contributed 
nothing. Your only part is to see it, rest in it, and let the faithfulness of Father God produce faith in you. Father God cut a covenant with Jesus to take all sin and bury it and to raise him from the dead separate from it. He simply included you in what Jesus the Christ did. Otherwise, he would still be waiting for you to keep up your end of the bargain, which is the law, which is you will never be able to. Then why you keep trying? Why do these leaders and pastors keep telling you, you got to do to be? It seems like they keep repeating, oh, you got to come in and repent. Oh, you got to give, you know, to receive your healing. Oh, you got to fast so you can receive your healing body. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with fasting. It brings healing to the body. Yes, it does. But if you do it for that, then you're under the law. And if you're under the law, if you are under the law, you will be judged by the law. So who was in Christ? All men are Christ. Some by knowing him, the rest not yet. All men are Christ's. Some by knowing him, the rest not yet. He is the Savior, not of some, and the rest not. For how is He Savior and Lord, if not Savior and Lord of all? Christ is greater than Abraham, greater than Levi, and greater than Adam. The superior of Jesus helps us define who was in Christ. First of all, Paul makes it clear in 2 Corinthians 5. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one, which is Jesus the Christ, died for all, and therefore all died. When the superior one died, because we were all in him, we all died with him. The Mankind died with him. All mankind died with him. That could not be true unless we were in him. Similar to how Levi was in Abraham and all people were in Adam, Stop and let that sink in. If by one disobedience of Adam, the first Adam, made everybody sick and death and all this curse fell on them. Can you imagine what the obedience of Jesus representing all mankind did as the resurrection happened? Secondly, this becomes even more profound when we realize that the entire cosmos was in Christ. Oh, how we have complicated the gospel away from the simplicity that is in Christ. Think about it. Jesus the Christ is the creator of all things. There can be nothing outside of Christ. Pay very close attention to Colossians 1. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. 
the church is his body. You are his body. Christ is the head. You are the body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you and who were once far away from God. Can there be any clearer statement? The entire cosmos was in him. And so when Christ died, all humanity or all mankind, past, present, future was counted as dying with him. Believing it doesn't make it true. We believe it because it is true. How to be certain the timing of when we were in Christ. So how do you know how you were saved by grace? You can know because of the timing. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us to us in Christ Jesus that's Ephesians 2 4 through 7 when is an adverb of time that modifies this whole passage it says turn around and look at the death burial, resurrection, and the station of Jesus, because at the same moment when that is, when that was happening to Christ, it was happening was happening for all humanity. The Greek the Greek for made us alive with is a single word susupoiel, which means from son and supoiel to reanimate conjointly with Figuratively, quickened together with, humanity was made alive when Christ was made alive. Or mankind was made alive when Christ was made alive. Then raised us up with is also a single Greek word. Sunehero, meaning from son and ehero, to rouse from death in company with. Figuratively, to revivify. Revivify spiritually or to revive spiritually in resemblance to raise up together rise with and seated us with him is again one compound word which is sukathizo from son and kathizo to give or take a seat in company with make seat down together this word is used in Luke 22 verse 55 each phrase in Greek denotes that the action happened at the exact same moment in conjunction with what happened with Christ. You die with Him. You will crucify with Him. You die with Him. You will bury with Him. When Jesus the Christ resurrected, you will raised with Him. Or you will quicken with Him. You will raised with Him. And now you are seated with Him. As the Son of Man, He represented you in His incarnation so that what happened to Jesus Christ happened to the whole of mankind at the exact same time. Paul calls that how you have been saved by grace. Finally, brethren, 
someone might say, wait, wait, the book of Ephesians we we written to believers, was written to believers. I said, that means that we did not die with him nor were raised with him until we believed. There are several problems with that view. If Paul was applying Ephesians 2 to only believers, then it means that the word when and together with are absolutely meaningless. Let's take just a final moment to look at 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now break down the sentence. So you can see Paul is saying one simple truth. Who was, past tense, saved us and called us before time began. Yes, Jesus came into time and ratified the eternal covenant that existed before it all started. Hebrews 13 verse 20. But he was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Revelations 13.8 So the we in 2 Timothy is either everyone or just Paul and Timothy. If it is just believers, then it means that only certain believers were chosen before the foundations of the world. That would prove that Calvinism is true, that God chose some for heaven and some for hell. If it is just Paul and Timothy, well, that wouldn't work, right? Or he chose that everyone would be in Christ. He chose that all would be including the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. Then the real issue is, do I believe or not? The point is that when you look at your next door neighbor who refuses to go to church or that Muslim radical on the news, there's nothing for them to do to make it good news. They are to believe what is already true. And by doing so, their hearts are converted and they come to know God or Father God in truth. Or as Paul said in 1 Timothy 4 verse 10, That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. He is already the Savior of all mankind. But in particular, those who believe get to experience it for themselves. Do you or have you experienced that? If you are in Christ and know who you are in Christ and have your identity in Christ, then you will experience what I just read to you. You will experience because Christ in you is what's going to give you that rest. And that is why Godly Divine Ministries is a sevenfold ministry, no longer in the fivefold ministry. All that is childish. We mature out of that. And a lot of people, TBN and all these big time leaders that come out in those shows and, and, and those preachers that are uh, just have many members, but all of them are so blind. If you are beginning to see what I see, if you are beginning to see what I see, you will know because the Spirit within you will make it known to you that if, I, if what I speak is false,
uh, are lies or is truth. And the Spirit will let you know. Because when you hear the truth, your baby will jump. Be blessed. And may God, may Father God, open your eyes, open your ears to see what I see and hear as I speak to you. Have a blessed night. Be safe.